Well, we're turning this evening to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel and to the first chapter. 2 Samuel in chapter 1. We'll read from verse 13. No, verse 11, sorry. Verse 11. Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them. And likewise, all the men that were with him, and they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord, for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger and a Malachite. David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near, fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back. And the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O oh, Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading of his word. Let's again ask the Lord's help as we consider it together. Eternal Father, we come before thee once again this evening. We pray for the Spirit's application of these words and thoughts to our hearts. That once again we might add to our understanding, to our knowledge, that we might bolster those things which already we know. That we might be prepared for the eventualities of this life and whatsoever may come to pass. Lord, that we might know that... Thou art our God, and as we considered this morning, Thou art to be the center of our faith and hope. Lord, that we might trust in Thy word, that we might walk in obedience to it. And Lord, that we might know the fellowship, the full fellowship of the family of, of God and of the family of Christ. And I pray, Father, that Thou was minister to us this evening then, and that Thy hand would be upon us for good. Pray 
We pray for those who are absent from our midst this evening. We pray that thou wast be with them, wheresoever they may be. We pray, Lord, that thou wast work in their hearts too. We pray for them. Lord, we covet also the prayers of thy people for us. Lord, that we too might benefit before thee. Hear us then, we ask, and continue with us this evening in the Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. So I want to think upon this uh, song which David has penned concerning the fall of Saul and of Jonathan. Of course, we know that Saul uh, was the one whom the Lord had anointed, and David refers to him as the Lord's anointed on many occasions, and he is the one who had become king and who'd led the people. And he had led them many times. He had led them into battle. He had fought against the nations round about. There's not very much actually written in the scripture concerning all the battles that Saul was involved in, but we do find that there were many of those things. We will make reference to that a little later. I made a, a comment uh, a couple of weeks ago. It, might have been, it may have been last week, in fact, uh, where, or it may have been the week before. I can't quite remember, but uh, we made the comment that in verse 18 it says, Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. Now, there's a difference of opinion. Uh, some, there's, a, there's a wavering of opinion rather than a difference of opinion over these words. Uh, the same commentators can take either, either side and say, well, it could be this or it could be that. And so uh, as it is translated here, obviously the translators have gone one way and because that's what you have to do when you're doing a translation, you have to decide what it says. And even though you may not be absolutely sure what it says, you can't write both things, so you have to choose one of them. And they've gone uh, this way, uh, that he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. It works because we know that it was the archers uh, who finally struck Saul and caused him to slow down so that the rest of the army could catch up with him and to put him in such a dire strait that he desired to die rather than to be played with by the Philistines. And that it was the archers doing so, we might say that it is easily uh, uh, possible and plausible that David did teach the children of Israel the use of the bow. In fact, later on we read of some of the mighty men of David, and they were men who were mighty with the bow and could uh, shoot at a hair's breadth. So that fits quite well with uh, what, was, what is said here. But there is also this interpretation and that is that the bow is the name of this poem it speaks here of the bow of jonathan in verse 22 from the blood of the slain from the fat of the mighty the bow of jonathan turned not back and if we read those words again also he made them that made the, he bade them teach the children of judah the words you will see in your, in your Bible, at least I hope you do because they're in mine, uh, is the words, the use, of, the use of the, are in italic. It doesn't actually say that, it just says to teach the children of Judah the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. Of course, that can be taken two ways, can't it? It can be taken as that David taught the use of the bow, that's written in the, in the, in the book of Jasher. Or it could be that David taught the people the bow, which is this poem, which is written in the book of Jasher. So you can see why either of these interpretations may be the truth, and uh, either of them may be so. The book of Jasher, of course, is uh, not extant. We don't know what it says. 
but it uh, appears that it may have been a book of sacred songs or poetry and uh, that it may have been a book which uh, was used in that sense. We know that Moses also taught the people a song and uh, that they were never to forget the song which Moses taught them. So it, it is possible either way. But here is this this uh, poetry, this song which David has written, uh, an elegy uh, concerning his friend Jonathan and of Saul who had been his king and at one point of course they were close because he was the the man who played the harp to calm Saul's heart when the evil spirit from before the Lord troubled him. The verse, the words really I want to bring to your attention this evening uh, and speak on, I'm sure that the words have already come to your attention, are the words, how are the mighty fallen? And I want to see three things from just those words and obviously elucidate them a little bit. So how are the mighty fallen? How are the mighty fallen? And how are the mighty fallen? And so I want to take them in that way. So first of all then, how are the mighty fallen? We read there in verse 27, we're sort of going backwards because these words, how are the mighty fallen, come three times in this poem. Uh, So in verse 27 it says, how are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? When it speaks of the weapons of war, it's not talking about bows, it's not talking about swords and spears, it's talking about Jonathan and Saul themselves because they were indeed weapons of war. They were the ones who were to lead the people out and to bring them, bring them in. And it says in First Samuel 8 and verse 5, and we saw this verse uh, months ago when we were considering there, in fact years ago probably, because I think it probably was before COVID even, First Samuel 8 and 5 Uh, The people said, now make us a king to judge us like all the nations, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. That our king may go out before us and fight our battles. The mighty are fallen. The weapons of war uh, or the instruments of war are perished. We think of this and we wonder how it can be that these great warriors, and well, we, we saw also concerning Jonathan himself, if you can remember, cast your mind back uh, all of those months, how that he and his armor bearer uh, went up to one of the garrisons, garrisons of the Philistines, and uh, if you can remember, they climbed up a very steep precipice to get there, but before they climbed up, uh, they uh, prayed, and uh, they said, now, if the people say, uh, uh, we will come down to you, we will know that, they, that the battle is theirs. And if they say, come on up, then we will go up. The Lord is with us. And they said, come on up and we will show you a thing. So they went up and they slew the garrison of the Philistines. And the, the roar of the battle was heard by the rest of the people. And the people were heartened. Jonathan was a mighty warrior. It was a, he was a great fighter. And he was able to go in amongst the garrison and slay a garrison with his armor bearer with him. So when the... Uh, psalmist here speaks about the weapons of war and how that the mighty are fallen he is speaking of Jonathan he is speaking of Saul but they are fallen how the mighty fallen it doesn't matter how strong we are does it it doesn't matter how mighty how powerful we might be as people and we have seen 
Perhaps over the years, if we have observed uh, humanity, that even some of the greatest of preachers and the, the mightiest of men have fallen, and we have been saddened by it. There have been people, perhaps in this day and age, who have had a presence on the internet. Uh, they've had something to say which has been an encouragement to us. Perhaps they've been on television even. Not every tele-evangelist uh, is a charlatan. <laughs> there may be a few there, uh, but not every single one of them is. And perhaps they have encouraged us in that, that they have made a blessing to our hearts. They have been a blessing to us. And perhaps uh, we, as we have uh, considered those things, we have seen that these, these people had great abilities. They had talent. They had talent. And yet they fell. It's not in our strength. It's not in our wisdom, not in our power to overcome. Carol? Um, it's not in our power, it's not in our wisdom to, to, uh, to overcome and, and to be mighty and to be powerful. Uh, the, the, the victory is ours just because of who we are. If it was that, uh, I, I would have given up years ago. But it is the Lord's power that we need to look at. We read together from uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.3 uh, where we read the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, the Apostle Paul says. For the weapons of our warfare, of our warfare, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do ye look on the uh, things after the outward appearance? And so Paul is saying that, that the victory is a spiritual one. The victory is in the power of God. The victory is not how good or how powerful or, or how outgoing or, or what a, a, a control of language you have or, or any of those things or that people look up to you or that there are that many people come to hear you because your voice is as a, as a, a joyful song. It's not down to those things. And here are mighty warriors. And remember how that Saul was first chosen. And when they chose him, they found a man who came amongst them head and shoulders above everyone else. He was a man who they wouldn't be ashamed of to go into battle. He was a man who was able to stand and to fight. <coughs> but we find that that was not necessarily a benefit to him, was it? Because very soon there was a, there was a greater man. And that was Goliath of Gath. And Saul wasn't going to go out and fight him. So there's always someone better. There will always be someone better in some way or other in the world. There may be a great preacher in the church, but then we'll find someone perhaps in the world who's got the power of speech just as well and, and is just as able. So it's not according to those things that uh, we see this uh, happening in this world and, and our victories. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And David makes this observation then, how the weapons of war perished. That which was carnal, that which was Saul, that was, which was this man and his son, great and powerful as they were, they are fallen. How are the mighty fallen? Secondly, we might see here these words, how are the mighty fallen? They are fallen in the midst of battle. In the midst of the battle. And that's where the failure comes, of course. When we are tested to the full. 
when we're in the midst of the battle. It's then that the weaknesses are found. And the weakness was found in Saul in the midst of the battle. Now they had many advantages and the people were glad of them. They desired a king and this one was worthy of that post. Here was a man who was able to gather the nation around him and they did follow him. We know that he was able to muster an army of trained men who would go out and sadly what we read of them mostly is how they went out to try and find David. But we do know that they also fought battles and that they won battles with him. We remember uh, the battle at Jabesh Gilead, how right at the beginning of his reign, uh, he heard that the people were under threat, that they would lose an eye if they would uh, kowtow to those who are around them. And Saul went and fought against them, delivered the men of Jabesh Gilead. And we've just read, of course, how the men of Jabesh Gilead a couple of weeks ago came and took Saul's head and his body down from the walls uh, of, the, of the town and buried them. So he was, a, he was a mighty man in this. But first of all, we can say he was a mighty man in privilege. He was a man who was anointed, a man who was chosen, a man who God looked upon and said, now this is what the people want. And not, not to say that he was necessarily uh, chosen in the sense of salvation, but chosen for this position. And being chosen for this position, he had every advantage, didn't he? He was anointed, he was chosen, he had direct contact with the prophet of God, he had direct contact with the Lord. He, he, he was a man set apart that he might dwell in the presence of the Lord. Like we are in this church tonight, able uh, to know that the Lord is with us, the Lord is in the midst of us. Where two or three are gathered together, there art thou in the midst of us. And we have that advantage. We have an advantage over every person outside tonight who is going about their business. Some have gone to the pub. Perhaps others are sitting down to watch the television. Perhaps they're watching a football match or whatever else it may be. But we have an advantage in the fact that we are in the presence of God. And Saul had that advantage. He was in the presence of God. He knew that God had chosen him. He knew that the prophet of God had anointed him. He knew that he was to be the one. They had every advantage. But having the advantage does not necessarily mean we have the victory. That doesn't necessarily mean we have salvation. He may have been brought up in church. He may have heard the gospel many times. But that doesn't mean that you are going to be saved unless you trust in the Lord and seek him. Mighty in privilege, but also mighty in prowess armed and campaigning here's the verse which i referred to before from first samuel 14 and verse 47 which really sums up all the bits all the bits that were missing from the account which is given the account is really uh, more to do with how david survived all these things before he became the first king of judah rather than about what saul accomplished in his life Saul, uh, we see his errors but we don't see his good parts uh, so much but in 1 Samuel fourteen forty seven, there we read, So Saul took the kingdom over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab and against the children of Ammon and against Edom and against the kings of Zobah and against the Philistines. And whithersoever he turned himself, he vexed them and he gathered an host and smote the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of them that spoiled them. Again in 1 Samuel 14.52. 
We read, And there was a sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him unto him. So he, he was a man indeed who was mighty in prowess. He, he was a man who could stand in battle. He was a man who could overcome in battle. He had everything on his side. He's the kind of person who we might know in our, in our secular lives and think to themselves, if the Lord would just save that person. The sort of person that we might pray for specifically. Now, there are lots of people we don't pray for. There are people who we think, well, that, that person's never going to come to church. That person is so, is so gross in their language, uh, is so against God, so hard. Uh, it's, it's pointless praying for them. But there are those who we think, well, what, what a, an ability that person would have to talk to people and to, to preach the gospel. And, and we really pray that the Lord would save them. Saul was such a man. He had this mightiness about him. And yet, as David sings this elegy toward him, we find how are the mighty fallen. The mighty fallen. Because it's not of our strength. It's not of him that runneth. But of God that giveth the victory. And that is where the failure was found. Which brings us to my last point, which is the worship that was faulty. We've seen the weapons uh, that were fallen, the wonder of their failure, and the worship that was faulty. How are the mighty fallen? Similar to the message this morning, I suppose. Where is thy faith? How are the mighty fallen? In verse 19, then, the first of these times, then the, uh, the, the psalmist says, uh, how are the mighty fallen? The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? And again, it speaks of Jonathan in verse 25. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thy high places. So the high places. Well, of course, it was in the high places, in the fact that they were slain in Mount Gilboa. So it was the hill country, they were in the hills, and they were slain there. And uh, The reference could so easily be just to the fact that they were slain in the mountains. But as these are the words, not only of David the psalmist, but also the words of the Holy Spirit of God, let's just consider how the Spirit of God uses that word, those words throughout the scripture, where it speaks so often about the high places. It talks about the high places of the idols, the high places of the groves. It talks about over and over the places where worship was given. Even the high places which were dedicated to Jehovah, where the people would go to their high places and they would worship God. So the high places then in scripture are so often refer to the place of worship. And if we consider these words again and just take them in that way, the beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. Where was the victory? Where was their loss? Their loss was not on the battlefield. Their loss was far earlier in the high places. It was where Saul had done his worshipping. That's where the problem was. And of course the Lord had rejected Saul. And not just because of the, of, of the fact of, of him not being obedient to the Lord but because he had also gone and visited a woman with a familiar spirit. 
1, Corinthians, 1 Chronicles, rather, in chapter 10, if you want to read the scripture, and uh, I've always, over the years, and haven't done it so much quite recently, because it takes a long time to turn up the pages, but it's always good to turn to the scriptures and see the places for ourselves. 1 Chronicles 10 and verse 13. It tells us there, So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. You see here, it's the Lord who slays him. He, he slays himself. He takes the sword to his own bowels, we read. But the Lord had brought him to this point. Why? Because he had disobeyed the Lord and because he had asked counsel of one that had a, a familiar spirit. His high places weren't the high places of God. His high places were the high places of the world. His high places were the high places of darkness. Saul's high places. Where was he slain? He was slain in the high places. Let's try and get hold of this. I want you to, to think about this tonight and consider that our failures in this world... They stem from our failures in the high places. They stem from a lack of prayer. They stem from a lack of reading of the scripture. They stem from a lack of communion with God. And when we fail in this world, it is because we are not uh, attending to those things which are of greatest importance. Our communion with God in the high places. It was this worship that was faulty. And he doesn't seek to the Lord. And when he does seek to the Lord, the Lord doesn't answer him. He has already gone so far away that the Lord says, no, I, I, you've never sought me before. And he sought him, remember, to go, uh, to go into this battle. And there was no answer. And it was then that he went to the woman, the witch of Endor, to seek after the familiar spirit. He wanted something, but he had already rejected the Lord and his counsel. And God had rejected him from being king. Saul's high places. But then, as we have said, he also speaks about Jonathan, who was slain in his high places. But Jonathan wasn't quite the same, was he? Jonathan did believe that David was anointed. Jonathan did trust in the Lord. Even as he went up into that garrison that we mentioned earlier, uh, Jonathan had said, well, we will know that the Lord is with us if they call down and say, come up to us. And so he was trusting in the Lord. He did trust in the Lord. But nevertheless, there was something fallen here as well. He was fallen. In the midst of the battle, O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thy high places. And it occurs to me that perhaps the high places in which Jonathan was slain was the fact that he had stood by his father. There came the point, if you can remember back uh, a number of months where David and Jonathan parted ways. And Jonathan went back to his father to stand with his father. And David went off then uh, and uh, ended up in, in, um, in Ziklag. So there was that parting of ways. And which way did Jonathan choose? He chose to go after his father, who in turn was going after the familiar spirits. And, and uh, his high places were not the high places of the Lord brings to mind these words from Matthew chapter 10 
Verse 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If we allow father or mother, son or daughter to keep us from the right path, whatever it is that keeps us from the high path becomes a god before God. It becomes an idol before God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And, and Jonathan, I think, in his high places, even though he knew that he should walk with David and hoped to walk with David at some point and be at his right hand, perhaps his armor-bearer, nevertheless went back and followed his father in a wrong way. That's very sad. There are many who have been kept back from salvation because of friends, because of family, because of dangers, because of all kinds of situations that they don't want to give up. And their high places is the place where they are defeated. And then finally, there is here uh, to be thought concerning salvation's high places. There was something about this. Uh, it's reminiscent of Isaiah 6, where uh, we read of Isaiah that in the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. It's similar in the fact that here we find that when, John, when Saul is dead and Jonathan dead with him and his other sons, Malchashur and so on, that once Saul was dead, the people saw David. And it is very soon that David is established as, as king, first of all in Hebron, and then all Israel is brought about to, uh, to follow after David also. And in the light of that, that when Saul is removed, we begin to see David here in Isaiah, not here, but in the scripture in Isaiah chapter 3. Again, there's a few verses here, so let's just turn to Isaiah and chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 3. And at the end of the chapter, verse 25. I've gone back too far. I'm in, I'm in the Song of Solomon now. Isaiah uh, chapter 3 and verse 25, it says, Thy men shall fall by the sword, and thy mighty in the war. And her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat of our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of of burning. Now, in that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful. And that, that, those are interesting words again. Going back to verse 19, the beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. The beauty of Israel. The one that Israel looked to was the king. But when the king dies, they begin to see the anointed of the Lord, which is David, and they begin to follow him. And of course, David is a type of the Lord Jesus. 
And so the issue can be, uh, can be spiritualized for us that when the things of this world who we follow, even the ministers of this world who we might follow are taken from us, we are left then to see the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. He that stands behind all of those who preach the gospel in truth. And we are brought to salvation's high places. High places indeed where Christ is exalted. Again, Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 1. How hath the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger and cast down from heaven unto the earth the beauty of Israel and remembered not his footstool in the day of his anger. And here, of course, Saul is referred to the beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. Well, how are the mighty fallen? How? Because they did not walk as they should have done with the Lord. That was their failure. Their failure was not in the battle. It was in their walk with God. Saul in particular didn't walk with God. And tonight, our need, if we are to overcome in this world, is to walk with God. That our high places may be the places where the Lord dwells. That our feet might be made like hinds feet upon our high places that we might dwell in the presence of the Almighty. And may the Lord bless us as we seek so to do, taking up his word and reading, seeking his face in prayer day by day, communing with him more and more as until the day dawns and the Lord returns.